The Ender Dragon is one of the deadliest mobs in the game and one of the most iconic bosses in all of Minecraft. It resides in the End Dimension, ruling over the Endermen there until a player comes and kills it. But where did it come from? Did it always reside in the End, or did it come from another dimension? Is it even a real creature, or a man-made creation? Stick around to find out in this episode of the Ender Library Podcast. Hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ender Library Podcast. My name is Shadow, and I am your host and guide throughout the show. Now, before we get into the main discussion of this episode, I have a couple little announcements that I would like to make. First of all, I would like to apologize for not putting out an episode last Thursday. Sadly, my elderly cat had died that Thursday morning, so I decided to spend time with my family and not record. I hope that you all can understand. If you're upset about that, I apologize, but there was nothing that I could do about it. My family always comes first in these type of situations. But anyways, now, on to the good news. Since I had about, I guess, like an extra week to think about things, I of course recognized that my first episode wasn't well formatted, and there wasn't much proper research put into my topic, even though some of the points might have been presented well. But not to worry, I'll be working hard on making better episodes for all of you to enjoy, with better research, with a better presentation, and overall, just a better talk, I guess, I suppose. Now, second, I set up an email for this podcast. So if, you have, so if you have anything you would like to recommend, any ideas or theories you want me to talk about, any ideas or theories that you might have come up with, or suggestions for the show, or just anything that you'd like to say in general, just send them to enderlibraryhost at gmail.com, and I will read them, and who knows, maybe your idea will be featured in, in, in the next episode. Again, the email is enderlibraryhost at gmail.com, and the email address will also be in the show notes below. Now then, without further ado, let's continue the adventures of Kirithil and the Ender Library. Kirithil walked towards the dark green dome in the distance, his heart beating loudly in his chest. As he walked, he remembered some of his other adventures that he had. The time when he first walked into a village, the iron golems were so huge and imposing, but they seemed friendly once they gave him a little red poppy. And the time he went into the nether, he got motion sick from the dimension travel, and his buddy Tim set his pants on fire and had to go back through the portal. The time he was caught in the midst of a raid, the desperate escape from a horde of drowned, and all the other great adventures he had. Lost in thought, Kirithil ascended the crest of a small hill and gasped. Less than 50 blocks ahead of him lay the grandest structure he had ever seen. Massive walls of end stone bricks rose high above the tops of the coarse fruit trees. Columns of purple and crying obsidian were placed along the wall. At the center, a dark green dome that looked like a giant ender pearl cut in half. Colorful stained windows peered out into the world, and ahead of him, Two giant doors, made from a strange type of metal, blocked his path. With his excitement practically boiling over, Carithel walked towards the door. In his excitement, he did not pay attention where he was stepping. His amazement quickly turned into panic, 
as he heard a click and realized that he had stepped on a pressure plate. For a second, Kirithil expected to be blown to up to pieces, as he had a couple times and his fans had been when they raided desert temples. But instead, heard the familiar clanking of pistons. He looked up and saw that the large door was opening for him. Kirithil stared, and the doors opened fully. Silence. Kirithil swallowed, took a deep breath, and crossed the threshold. If Kirithil's jaw had hit the floor any harder, it would have broken the blocks that he was standing on. He was standing in an atrium that was about the size of a nether cavern. Far above him, the ceiling was decorated with various patterns of purple, green, and yellow. A dark green dome rose at the center, with giant stained glass and edraw chandelier hanging down. On the main entrance branched out multiple hallways of shelves, filled floor to ceilings with books, scrolls, pieces of paper, and odd items every now and then. Soul landers littered the tables surrounding the circular space in the center of the atrium. A small pedestal in the center shows some strange shapes floating around. He couldn't tell whether they were squares. They did not seem like it. They were unlike anything that he had seen before in the world. Finally, Kirithil brought his eyes to the floor and he felt goosebumps go up and down his body. On the atrium floor lay an intricate mosaic of the top view of the central island of the end. The island itself took up most of the floor space of the mosaic. The rest of the mosaic depicted a scene that might have come from nightmares. Ten large pillars of obsidian with white crystals on top. A small gray circle in the center with a large black egg on top of it. Around the island lay some smaller islands with small depictions of the end cities that he had traveled by. A couple end ships seemed to float across the islands in the void. Endermen littered the island. And there, amongst the chaos, the Ender Dragon. Kirithan remembered a memory that was still vivid in his mind. The fight with the Ender Dragon that he and his friends took on only a little while ago. That battle was one of the few moments that he was truly scared, and he still remembered that day. He and his buddies, geared up in their diamond armor, had found the stronghold after a day of traveling inserted the eyes of Ender, and jumped into the activated portal. They dug their way out of their spawn cube, and emerged onto the surface, upon which the battle had begun. Some of their group started building up towards the crystals on the obsidian pillars, while others took aim with their bows. The Ender Dragon suddenly dove towards those who built up, knocking them off their pillars. Most of them were able to get to the ground with minor injuries, and some landed with unharmed. But Bartholomew took the full hit of the Ender Dragon, and flew off the edge of the island, vanishing into the endless void. By then, the crystals were destroyed, and the rest brandished their weapons and charged the dragon as she circled the island, and sometimes perched above the strange dark gray structure in the center. Some more of their number fell. Tim was blown to smithereens by some endermen that he was fighting and John and Mr. Jingis collapsed due to inhaling too much of the dragon's breath from the fireballs and the dragon itself. Finally, Kirithil landed the final blow then, and the end of dragon rose high into the air, slowly decaying and vanishing into the air in a shower of green orbs. They had won 
and they returned to the overworld, where they were reunited with their friends who had died and come back to life in their homes. Girthal jolted out of his memory and shook his head. He didn't want to be distracted at this moment, when anything could happen, and adventure was probably waiting just at the corner of those shelves. He strode across the mosaic towards the pedestal, not taking notice of the dragon's eyes glowed just a bit brighter when he passed by. And so, the story ends for now, and we'll continue the story in the next episode. Now then, we should enter the main discussion. As you might have possibly figured out from the story section that we had, or simply from reading the title of this episode or the description, we'll be discussing the origin of the Ender Dragon, or more mainly, what is the Ender Dragon itself? I shall go over everything that we know about the Ender Dragon, or at least everything that is relevant to my theory, and we will dig deep into the possible lore of the Ender Dragon. Let's begin, shall we? Now, the main theory, and it, well, I guess now the main theory behind the Ender Dragon is that Jean is a living mog. For those of you that don't know, Jean is the official name of the Ender Dragon. And it seems that by popular opinion, or just by common sense and logic, the Ender Dragon is a living creature. I mean, even on the Ender Dragon wiki page on the official Minecraft wiki, it says that the Ender Dragon, it says, for example, that the end crystals heal her, so or I guess fill up her health. So it make you think that the Ender Dragon is a living mob. However, my theory is the opposite. Now hear me out for all for this entirety before you try and attack me. No, it's a living end. It's a living dragon. Hear me out for this. My theory is that the Ender Dragon is the only one of her kind not the last of her kind, and is in fact a man-made superweapon. How? Well then, let me explain. In Minecraft, man-made or artificial mobs exist in many examples, and if you've ever played Minecraft, you probably have encountered at least one of these. So, we can build withers, snow golems, and iron golems with our hands. If you'll have seen on plenty of popular on, on plenty of popular Minecraft merch a cross section of a creeper, you will see that creepers have a block of TNT inside of them, and TNT is not a naturally spawning block. You have to craft it. It has also been theorized that guardians and shulkers are man-made as well. Therefore, the possibility of there being other man-made mobs is definitely present in the game. Question is. How, which ones are there, and are there other ones out there that we don't know of? Alright, but let's talk about the Ender Dragon and everything about it. So, first, when you enter the end, you will notice ten obsidian towers arranged in a circular pattern with end crystals atop them, and they heal the Ender Dragon whenever it takes damage. And as long as the end crystals are up on the towers, the Ender Dragon will be healed. Now, it has always been thought of that the, ender, the obsidian pillars are just structures, and the end crystals themselves are healing them. Toss that out the window. These obsidian pillars are in fact batteries, or power sources, with the end crystals as a way of focusing the energy from the obsidian into a single beam to heal the ender dragon. Now, 
Let me explain a little bit further. Obsidian does indeed hold some sort of power or energy inside of it. The biggest piece of evidence for this is the nether portals. They are constructed out of obsidian and glow a purple color when ignited. Though the heat of the flint and steel fire may ignite the portal, or a, or a fire charge also as well, what we are seeing is the energy stored inside of the obsidian being released by the heat. Also, this can be more easily seen with crying obsidian, and crying obsidian is just like obsidian, except with veins of purple running down it, and also, I believe, like a purple particle effect dripping from it, I believe as well, but don't quote me on that, I may be incorrect. Also, obsidian can also be found at the bottom of end ships, which would provide us with a power source that, I guess, that powers these end ships, because the end ships don't have sails. They're made out of purple and end stone blocks. So it probably did not sail by itself. And we don't know what the gravity is in the end, or even if there's wind. So this would make an interesting power source and one that's available for them. And also, both obsidian and crying obsidian cannot be broken by the ender dragons, one of the few blocks that cannot be destroyed by it. The only the other blocks that cannot be destroyed by the ender dragon are endstone, bedrock, command blocks, barrier blocks, iron bars, and portal blocks, and portal frames, and gateway blocks, respawn anchors, and structure blocks. This list was taken, of course, from the Ender Dragon page on the official Minecraft wiki. Now then, we and since both types of obsidians cannot be broken by the Ender Dragon, and it takes a pretty big amount of time for somebody to try and mine out all of these obsidian pillars, it would almost be a fool's errand for you to try and destroy these ten towers. However, now, we have large indestructible power sources. Now, how to get the energy out of it to the Ender Dragon. The end crystals are here to do the job. The gas tier in the crystal is, I would assume to be, some type of metallical alloy of sorts, or some type of chemical that we do not know, or the, the possibly does not exist in real life. But the gas tier in the crystal focuses the energy from the obsidian towards the bedrock base that is underneath the end crystal. And that's towards which, and towards the bedrock, the energy comes towards it to be focused in a single area. Now, the glass that is used in crafting an, uh, an end crystal, oopsie, it only acts as a vessel. That's all that there is. It acts as a vessel and as a weapon, which I'll explain in a quick second. Now, but it is the ender eye that does the rest of the work. If you remember, Ender eye is a mix of two components, blaze powder and ender pearls. The blaze powder part of it is used as an energy source for the end crystal so that it can extract the energy from the bedrock beneath it and into this glass vessel. And the ender pearl we know as the perfect way for us to teleport in all dimensions. And that and this same concept is used to transport energy. So the ender pearl, can ender pearl can transfer the energy from the crystal to the ender dragon when needed. But not only that, some of the end crystals are encased, are encased in cages of iron bars, protecting them even further. And as mentioned before, 
the iron bars are cannot be broken by the ender dragon. So, whoever had built these obsidian towers and end crystals created these batteries or power sources to keep this ender dragon alive or have plenty of energy or power in it and created these metallic cages in order to protect some of the batteries so that no matter what damage is dealt, at least some batteries will survive. Now, of course, I'm going to propose that it's practically almost confirmed or almost 100% assured that many structures, many old structures were built by the ancient builder society. So that's what I would assume is happening here. I'll talk about them later as well. But also, when you hit an end crystal, it explodes. I propose that the glass used in crafting an end crystal can hold back the energy that is inside of it. But once the glass is broken or shattered, all the energy that is held in there by the blaze powder from the ender eye is released out in one big explosion. And that's what you get there as well. Now, however, whoever built all these batteries and end crystals did not want them destroyed. Now, here we are, is that we have end crystals sitting atop of obsidian towers that are indestructible batteries that are charging the man-made ender dragon. We got that. We talked about those structures. Now let's move on to her attacks. There are mainly two attacks, physical attacks and breath attacks. The physical attacks are when you're hit by her head, wings. Whenever you're hit by, your, by a Jean's head or wings, the player would take damage and would sometimes be thrown to great heights into the air and sometimes off of the island. And you probably experienced this when fighting the Ender Dragon. She might dive at you or when she's perching above the end portal, you might rush at her and you'll be flung back. Now, this simple phenomena, I guess, could be explained simply by some physics. However, it could also be explained with that the fact that the Ender Dragon may be enchanted with a possible knockback enchantment. Because if there was a one Mythbuster episode, I will link it in the description if I can find it. Where, of course, they tested how much force is needed to knock the sockets off your feet. But basically, it took them about 16 miles per hour of a steel bar attached to a tow truck hitting a person, hitting a dummy, of course, to knock socks off a person's feet. Now, if we're going off of those physics in Minecraft, such power would probably kill us in the game. If the Ender Dragon is going that fast, it will be flying much quicker. And if we were even hit by it, we'd be sent off the island, if not have been killed on impact. So I suggest that there's a knockback enchantment. And this could possibly explain the purple glow in the Ender Dragon's eyes and mouth. However, there is a different explanation coming next up. And then, for the breath attacks. The Dragon Fireballs and the Dragon's Breath. And both of these are going to be explained very similarly. Now then, the Ender Dragon Fireballs are more similar to fire charges than gassed fireballs. While gassed fireballs can be deflected and cause explosion damage, Ender Dragon Fireballs and Fire Charges cannot be deflected and do not cause any explosion damage to the area 
or the player. The Ender Dragon Fireball instead breaks open to cover an area in a purple smoke or particle effect that is very similar to that of a lingering splash potion of harming. Well, that is what I think it exactly is. The dragon's breath is the dragon's breath and the fireball are a older version of a splash po lingering splash potion of harming. Now, this at first may seem confusing, because you need dragon's breath to brew lingering potions of harming, and the end of dragon breathes dragon's breath. So you have to collect dragon's breath and create these potions of lingering harming. So it's, and it's just a continuous loop. Well, here's a theory that I propose that might solve that. There is a harmful gas in the atmosphere of the end. Why so? Because in almost all atmospheres that we know of, be it in Minecraft or real life, there are always some, there's always some type of poisonous gas in the air. And it might not hurt us right away, it might not hurt us at all, but it does exist. If we take real life, for example, there's carbon monoxide in the air, there's carbon dioxide, there is nitrogen, and I propose something similar here, though I cannot clearly say what chemical it may be. But, here's what I go off of. It is a popular theory that there might be some type of airborne virus in the overworld. Well, a airborne zombie virus to be specific, which is a theory that explains the hordes of undead and why piglins, piglins and hoglins turn into zombified piglins and zombified hoglins when they come out of the nether into the overworld. And there's also a extremely high possibility of sulfuric gas in the nether due to the large amounts of lava in there as well. Now, in the end, this harmful gas is almost non-existent in the island layer of the, of the end and also in the upper void of the end. I'll explain all that in the upper void and lower void will be explained in a later episode on the show. Now then, but the amount of this toxin, of this poisonous gas in the lower void are fatal to all but a select few. What I am, I guess, referring to is when you fall off the when you fall off an end island or you fall into the void, you keep falling and falling and falling, and slowly you die, and the death message is that you fell out of the world. However, it might not be that. I think it is that you're suffocating on this poisonous gas as you are falling, and the lower you go, the more gas there is, which results in you dying from poisoning by this gas. And you don't get the poison effect because this isn't some poison from the overworld or the nether. This is something completely different, something over, something alien, and that's what it is. And whoever constructed the Ender Dragon had been gathering loads of this gas and weaponizing it as the dragon's breath. You may ask, how? Well then, this may be one of the reasons that end ships were created. Well then, th well to try and collect this toxic gas, the end ships will flow down into the lower void, and the people on these ships, using elytras, would dive into the lower void collect bottles of this poisonous gas and bring it back up into the end ships. We know it to, we know of it today as a dragon's breath, 
but in those times, it might have been some strange and deadly poison. And this would also explain the fact that there are brewing stands on the end ships at times. And this would explain how they might have created these lingering potions of harming. And also, I think this toxic gas, when concentrated in a certain amount place in a certain in, when concentrated in one small space, produces a purple haze. And this would explain the purple color palette of the end. The gas is present all over the end, and this would explain it the particle the purple uh, that's a mouthful the purple particle effect when you teleport with an end portal with end of pearl, my apologies, with chorus fruit, endermite color, the eyes of the ender dragon and ender men, as well as purple blocks. That's what I think it is. Now let's take a quick recap here while we can. The Ender Dragon is super power, super weapon created to stop anyone who enters the end. Ten large obsidian pillars are in fact batteries that keep the Ender Dragon at full power at all times. She is constructed of some extremely tough material that destroys almost anything and is possibly chanted as well. The toxic attacks of the dragon are in fact concentrated poisonous gas that was gathered from the void. Now, we talked about all that. Now, let's move on onto two game end game items that relate to the Ender Dragon. The Dragon Heads and the Elytra. Now, the following theory, the, now the following two theories about these two items are, were created by contradicting a theory made by MadPat from the YouTube channel The Game Theorists, and the link to his video will be in the show notes below. Shout out to him to you coming up with this extremely good theory that kind of inspired me to create this episode in the first place. Now, mo a good bunch of this evidence is going to be based off of the theory from that video. So I encourage you to pause the episode here and go watch that video to get a little bit of information and contrast there. Now, so first, let us talk about the dragon head figureheads on the end ships. In that video, MatPat theorized that the figureheads were in fact trophies that the ancient dragon hunters took for themselves. Now, it all seemed pretty solid to me. However, if you remember, the Ender Dragon disintegrates and fades away when killed. Or at least when we kill it. So, in my opinion, it would have been extremely difficult, if not impossible, for the ancient hunters to have obtained the dragon heads. Instead of the dragon coming first, the figureheads came first, followed by the Ender Dragon. Let's get into that a little, a little bit deeper. The ancient race of builders that resided in the end created floating ships powered by obsidian to get around the upper void and into the lower void to get this poisonous gas. Now then, in order to understand the dragon figureheads better, we take a little dive into history. Vikings would often decorate the prows of their ships with carved figureheads of fierce dragons or serpents in order to induce fear in those who saw them coming and Roman warships had protruding battering rams that were used when heading for enemy vessels. I think there's a fusion between these two concepts with the dragon head figureheads. The ancient builders created dragon figureheads as a way of scaring others, be they inhabitants of other end cities or the native population of Endermen. It is assumed that 
this ancient, I guess, this ancient society of builders had been obsessed with power. And it's seen throughout the world because we, have, we see desert temples, jungle temples, ocean monuments. We see, of course, artificial mobs that we can construct. We see nether fortresses and strongholds. So these ancient builders had power. We know that they did. They had the power to build, create, destroy. And it would make sense that sooner or later there might have been conflict in between them. And also in, in the end, end cities are split further apart. And I might think that the ancient builders, once they entered the end, set out to explore and settle down in individual societies. As that in the overworld, just here in the nether, in the end as well, they're individual societies. So that's what it might have been. And, and we can also assume that the dragon figurehead may have acted as a battering ram. Because, after all, the Ender Dragon can destroy almost all blocks besides a select few. However, the person, the purpose of this is not fully known. Whether it was for raiding, whether the end ships were to raid the overworld at times, though we have no evidence of that, other end cities, or for battles over the void in between end cities, or be, between the Endermen, and the ancient builders. Maybe shipwrecks are, are floating somewhere in the lower void or in the far, far, in the far reaches of the end islands, but we will never really know unless something, unless Minecraft releases something that explains that. No, but that's about dragon figureheads. Now, let's move on to Elytras. In Pat's video as well, he said that Elytras were in fact clippings of ender dragon wings that the ancient dragon hunters hunted down. They would clip the wings and make elytras, and that's why we don't see them anymore and we can't craft them because no more ender dragons exist for us to do that. And they also exist only on end ships, which would further support that theory. And I partially agree with that theory, however. There are some important little things for us to know. First of all, of course, the color. The color of an Ender Dragon's wings is black, while Elytra's are more of a grayish blue. And an important detail, detail that I think was overlooked in that theory was that Elytra's can be repaired with phantom membranes. Phantom membranes can be used to repair elytras using an anvil, which makes me think that elytras are not made from ender dragon wings, but from phantom wings. And when you compare the two together, it seems very similar. They are more of a blue color than a gray than a black color. And I feel like there is also a stranger way that they made the elytras. Of course, everybody hates phantoms. They're annoying mobs in Minecraft. And I would say that the ancient builders would often hunt down phantoms during nighttime hunting parties. But they always collected phantom membranes and phantom wings, but had no purpose to use them. In the overworld, they could easily travel by foot, and there were plenty of caves to explore. And in the end, in the nether, nobody really wanted to fly. There was too much lava around. However, when they got to the end, 
this was the perfect place to create something to get around easier besides the inships. So that's why they created elytras. The elytras were created from two phantom wings and phantom membranes sp spread across the wings and sewn together to form a pair of phantom wings or elytra. Now, why are elytra on endships? They are there because some of the endships, were, if they were used for collecting the poisonous gas from the lower void, maybe certain ancient builders would take the elytras and dive down below the end islands to gather this poisonous gas. That's the first part. If they were used in battle, maybe certain powerful ancient builder warriors would use these elytra to fly out over the void and attack the enemy head on. That would make the most sense to me as well. But then again, nothing can be proven. Of course, the biggest question, the biggest problem with that theory about the elytras is that if they could be crafted from phantom wings and membranes, why hadn't the ancient builders crafted them before? That is probably the biggest loophole that my theory about the elytras cannot fix. And that's probably the one I won't be able to fix because we won't really know. But that's all of that about those items. Now onto the Ender Dragon's appearance. The Ender Dragon has remarkably similar colors to that of Endermen. Its skin is black, its eyes and mouth are a shade of purple, and the spines on its back as well as its horns and the, bo and the bones in its wings are gray. And most people, and there have been various theories over time that maybe the Endermen are cursed by the Ender Dragon, or the Endermen evolved looking like the Ender Dragon. I think it is that whoever built the Ender Dragon took inspiration from how the Endermen appeared. So, the Ender Dragon, actually, no, the purpose of the Ender Dragon when it was created is so that no other person will be able to go into the end after them. I suppose that there was a split of builders. Some went on into the end, while others stayed in the overworld. Those in the end got obsessed by their power, created this ender dragon, and set it on the center island, closing the portal so that nobody could get through. That's why it stands there. It guards the entrance into the last dimension. The last dimension holds so many strange secrets that even the ancient builders did not know them, and they did not want to share this. And that's why the Ender Dragon was built. As the final guard. And one of the things that would help the final guard is camouflage. And that's why I think they took inspiration from the appearance of Endermen. The Ender Dragon skin is black, possibly made of obsidian? or maybe void matter, I don't know if that would even exist, but that's what the Ender Dragon is mainly made of. This blends it in with the void above, around, and below the, the central end island. The purple eye color is from the poisonous gas and possibly from the enchantments. They couldn't do much about it because that's what the poisonous gas effect would be on the appearance, and the gray is because the stone might have been used to support all of the other material or resources used to build the Sender Dragon. 
So, so that would explain its appearance. Now onto its behavior. Now, the two we already talked about attacks, so we're not going to talk about attacking or targeting, as well as strafing, which is when she when Jean shoots a fireball at a player that is within sixty four blocks. We want to talk about diving, which is when the Ender Dragon dies at the player. But instead, we're going to talk about its behavior. And this also might explain why it is not a natural mob. This I'm going to explain in just a moment. The two behaviors of the Ender Dragon that I will talk about are circling and perching. As you know, the Ender Dragon is often circling around the Obsidian Towers and the End Island when you first enter the End Dimension. Usually it does not do anything. And after the End Crystals are broken, it will always usually just fly around in circles. But it never flies away from the Ender, from the Center Island. It always stays around that area. That is what is interesting. So, I would think that with its that this relates to the end portal in the center of the island. The reason the end portal is not made of end portal frames but bedrock is so that this bedrock structure is a in a way of a homing beacon for the ender dragon or it's in a way that or it's something that binds the ender dragon in place. As long as that bedrock structure is there, the Ender Dragon cannot leave. It always stays in that area. That's why it always circles. Never rests always on the structure, but it will constantly circle around it, keeping in range of this bedrock structure. Then, perching. At a certain point in time, every now and then, after all the end crystals have been broken, the Ender Dragon will perch above that bedrock structure. Why is that? I think it might be because it stays because, as explained earlier, it circles the stone, the bedrock structure, to stay in range of a possible signal that the bedrock is emitting. However, the reason it comes down there, it comes down to the structure, is a couple reasons. A so that it can be much closer to the person who entered the end dimension and to cause much more damage to it. Second of all, it also makes it immune in a way to projectile attacks. And that's another thing that I forgot to mention, is that the Ender Dragon is immune to, or at least when it's perched, is immune to arrows, tridents, and crossbows, which could possibly, I guess which can possibly give us the possibility of the enchantment of projectile protection as well. But that's not what we're talking about. When it perches, it gets close to the structure in order to increase the signal coming from it and to make the signal stronger in order for it to last longer. Because if it, if it does not get the signal back strong enough, then the Ender Dragon might fail. Or the Ender Dragon may simply lose connection and just go poof, poof, it just vanishes. 
And that could also explain a possible uh, mechanic in the game that is often used. That sometimes, well, no, that sometimes happens, but not always. So if a, actually, no, well, anyway, and this relates to respawning the ender dragon. After the ender dragon is killed, you, you can respawn it by placing four end crystals around the bedrock structure. And this causes a strange show or appearance. And how, what is it really? Well, the four end crystals sh shoot off beams. They go straight up into the void and then we'll point to each tower, placing a new end crystal on each one. And then the ender dragon comes back. The occurrence of new end crystals appearing on the obsidian pillars, I cannot really explain since doesn't I can't really explain since there isn't much proof that I can give about that. However, I guess one thing that could possibly work is that there might be some secret hidden mechanism that installs new end crystals at times, but honestly, there is not much explanation that I can give to that. However, I can give an explanation as to why they point upwards. I will say that the ancient builders created the main ender dragon to protect the end. However, these ancient builders show that sure they might have been shell shellfish, they might have been selfish and wanted to keep the power to themselves, but they were not dumb either. They were extremely intelligent and smart, so they probably created backups and placed them above the central island. The reason why you cannot get to them is because they're hidden in a possible new dimensional pocket or a certain space hidden in the upper void that we cannot access. But they can be summoned by the power of the end crystals placed at the bedrock structure. The end crystals shoot out energy towards the ender dragon hidden in that dimensional pocket, pulling it out while the bedrock structure provides a strong signal towards that one. And we can't really prove that there is a dimensional pocket there because well, how to say this? Duh. We can't find it. We can't enter it. However, we have proof of new of the ability of entering new dimensions. We have portals. We have the nether portal. We have the end portal in strongholds. We have the end portal on the central end island. And we have end gateways that surround the end island. And that would, expl and that would show that whatever this ancient race was, they had the ability to travel between dimensions. And that also explain why there are always new ender dragons appearing. And one of the points that Matt Pat points out in his video about the ender dragon is that the dragon's egg is infertile. And I would have to agree with that. Which brings us into another point here. What does the what is the purpose of the dragon's egg? The purpose of the dragon's egg is not to summon a new ender dragon. There's no point in that if there is a, a stock of ender dragons 
in a dimensional pocket high above the center island. Instead, the dragon's egg is desi was designed by the ancient builders as a ruse, as a way of distracting whoever is on the island. If the ender dragon is somehow killed, the ender the dragon's egg will appear and will hopefully create enough a distraction so that the person will focus on the egg instead of trying to figure out what's beyond the central island. And this can be seen as the dragon's egg does not do much. If you keep it on there, it'll just vanish when you read some of the next ender dragon because there's no need for it if there's a new guardian. But whenever you try and click it, it'll teleport to a random spot on the end island or to a random block in general. And now I think that's a simple thing of cat and mouse or a cat and laser pointer situation where you click on it, the dragon's egg moves to a new spot. You chase after it, click it again, and moves to a different spot. You go back and click on it to try and pick it up or try and break it and it keeps going back and forth and back and forth. And that's what it is. It's designed as a ruse. And that's what I think it is. And finally, with end gateways, there is a mechanic on the Ender Dragon Minecraft on uh, by the on the Ender Dragon page of the official Minecraft wiki. Now it says here I'm reading out here: if a dragon goes to an end gateway, another immediately spawns at zero one twenty eight zero, while the other dragon stays on the outer end islands until the chunks get loaded. Now the way I'm in interpreting this is that. Once, if an ender dragon accidentally enters a gateway, a new dragon will spawn in the center, while that dragon will be teleported to faraway end islands, and when those chunks are loaded, it'll vanish. Which makes sense to me, they didn't, wouldn't want two ender dragons going around. However, I think it is also, could also in a way relate to the lore that I'm trying to say here. Because these end, ender dragons are prone to glitches, and this, and they might get too close to an end gateway and too far away from their from the um from the bedrock structure, and they lose the signal momentarily as they enter the gateway, which means they're cut off from everything, and there is no way for them to get back, and so the signal is cut off immediately from them, rendering them completely useless. You won't be able to find them because the end gateway recognizes that it is the Ender Dragon. Something that was meant to stay at the central end island. And so it teleports them far away from anything else. So that it won't attack the end cities and the end ships of the ancient builders. And because the ender dragon was not killed and the dragon's egg was not put into play as a ruse. The bedrock structure puts out an emergency signal. Which immediately summons a new ender dragon from this, this dimensional pocket. So that's the thing, the explanation for that. Now, I think I discussed just about everything. So now we're going to do a quick recap of the theory and why that theory may be correct. Many years ago, the ancient builders discovered a new dimension that they called the end. A majority of the builders entered the end dimension while some decided to stay behind. When entering the end dimension, a whole new array of possibilities opened up to the ancient builders, 
so much to explore, so much to learn. And so, the ancient builders decided to settle in the end. They split up and spread out across the vast end dimension, building end cities and using end ships to travel across. Soon, they started figuring out ways of, the tele ways of teleportation. They started learning new things. They learned how to harness energies. They also learned about a toxic gas that existed deep in the lower void, below the end islands. Having learned so much and finding out all these new things, the ancient builders got greedy. They wanted this power for themselves. Nobody could have it. Not even, the, not even their friends or family. And so, a couple of the ancient builders went back through the end portal and destroyed the ones in the stronghold, taking out eyes and rendering them useless. The ones that were, stayed, that were left in the end got to action. They planned to create a bite, a beast. Something that would frighten anybody and destroy anything that came there. They started looking around for something to use to make this beast. They needed power and fear. They looked at their end ships. They had taken a liking to making dragon head figurines, figureheads that would look from the prow as they would sail across the void. And these were helpful in scaring the endermen that lived on the end islands, the little natives. But also, it was an extremely hard block that they could use to raid the small end cities, or the end villages in a way. So, they took that. Ender dragon heads, created out of an extremely hard substance. They got the fear, and they got the material that they would need. Then, an expedition into the lower void brought back an ancient builder who was brought back an ancient builder that was dead, who was infected by an extremely poisonous gas. And so, they would set up expeditions into the lower void to collect this toxin, this poisonous gas, and they would start brewing it into potions of harming, not just any. Ones that would smash upon impact, and that will last longer than other potions used in the overworld. They also incorporated fire charges, explosives that they had first encountered in the nether, adapting them to this poisonous gas, making effective poison bombs instead of fire grenades. They implemented that as well. And finally, flight. The void was endless, and they knew it. Some of their number had been using equipment known as elytras, made out of phantom wings and membranes to fly around the void easier. And so, they collected as much of their stock of elytras, phantom wings, and membranes, and gave the beast wings. It was a dragon. A mechanical dragon, made from the hunger for power of these ancient builders and was powered by something that even we do not know of today. There's no redstone, but a deep magic that only exists in the farthest reaches of the end dimension that we have not even heard of. 
It was a super weapon. The ancient builders brought it to the End Island and set up a system that would keep the Ender Dragon there, powerful enough to destroy anybody that dared to enter there, as well as setting up backup systems in order to ensure that nobody could get in. They set up 10 large obsidian batteries that would constantly charge the dragon, keeping its energy and charge up to a maximum so that it would never die. And as an extra security, they even put up metal cages around some of the batteries in order to make sure that even those would never break. They also set up small portals that only a person with ender pearls could get into. The ender dragon robot would not be able to get into them unless it glitched. And when it happened, they set up a small and they set up a bedrock pillar around the end portal in the center that gave off a strong attracting signal that would keep the ender dragon in the central island area. It could never leave. But that was exactly what they wanted. And if somehow the portals failed and the signal failed and the ender dragon robot would get into the portal, they designed a safety line. As soon as the ender dragon would enter the portal, the bedrock column would shut down the signal from it completely, the end crystals would get away from it, and the end portal would, and the end gateways would disable it, rendering it useless. Then gateways would recognize it as a different mob and send it away to the farthest islands out there in the end, making it useless. And eventually, it would break. But not only that, they also created a small dimensional pocket high above the center island in which they stored copies of the Ender Dragon. So in case if one died, they could just go to the central island and summon in another one just as powerful as his predecessor. And in order to stall whoever killed the Ender Dragon and wait for them to get there, they created a fake item a dragon's egg, something that could hold the players there. That was perfect. It would teleport around randomly when touched, and it would always keep the players going after it and after it, so that the builders would have enough time to get to the center island, summon in another dragon, and defeat the intruder. And that's how it was. The systems lived on, and the super weapon lived on as well. The ancient builders though eventually died out, but we do not know why. And we may never know, but their legacy, the Ender Dragon, the horror of the end, lives on. That is what is truly frightening. And so, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Ender Library Podcast. I so hope that you have enjoyed listening to this, and keep your eyes peeled for another episode coming out, hopefully next week on Thursday, if I can. If you have any ideas or theories that you want to share with me, that you want me to discuss, any suggestions for the show, simply send them to the email enderlibraryhost at gmail.com. The email address is also in the show notes, as well as all the other links 
that I talked about earlier. So keep reading up, keep looking at the shelves, waiting for the next episode, and I will see you then.